Welcome to Grace Abounds. I'm Pastor Jen Shaw, and in this podcast, I'm sharing my Sunday sermons from St. John's Lutheran Church, Palm Desert, California. I'm so grateful that you've joined us, and I trust that these words build you up in faith, hope, and love. When I was a manager at Lakeshore Learning Store in Ventura, California, an educational supply company that has stores across the country, we would have, as most companies like this do, our annual management retreats. That included things like leadership training and various team-building activities. One year, one of those activities was a game in which 12 volunteers were called forward. I was one of those called forward. And we were each given one card from a suit of a deck of cards, king through two. There weren't any jokers or aces in this. And we weren't allowed to see the cards, but we put them up on our foreheads like this, so everybody else could see them. And then we were told to role play, to interact with each other and treat each other according to the rank on our card. And after about 10 minutes of this, we were asked to line up according to where we thought we fell in the ranking, King, Queen, Jack, 10, on down to 3-2. We did, and when we looked at our cards, we had lined up exactly from King through 2. We expect kings and queens, people with power, rulers, authorities, to behave in certain ways, because tragically, they so often do. They lorded other over those who they feel are beneath them, in this case, the lowly twos and threes and fours. They use their power as power over, power that demeans and devalues, power that hurts. Jesus Christ, our King, defies these expectations. He is the Lord who emptied himself and embraced the least of these. His power is not worldly power, but godly power, power for goodness and love and life, power for others, power that helps and heals, power that saves. Throughout his public ministry, Jesus embodied the life-giving power of God and demonstrated that his kingdom, the kingdom of God, the realm in which God's will is done, is one of unconditional love and unending life where all are welcome, where grace abounds. Jesus healed those who were ill and freed people from demonic oppression. He fed thousands on a hillside and calmed a storm at sea. He made time for children and affirmed the faith of outcasts. He taught us to love our neighbors and our enemies, to do to others as we would have done to us, to not worry about tomorrow because God knows our needs and he cares for us. 
In his parables, Jesus described the kingdom of God as one in which prodigal sons are welcomed by their loving parent. And shepherds rejoice over finding one lost sheep. And a mustard seed of faith can produce amazing growth. And Jesus' embodiment of the life-giving power of the kingdom of God brought him into conflict with those holding and those seeking power in the kingdoms of this fallen world. The crowds, for example, who welcomed him when Jesus made his triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem, expecting that he was going to be a time-bound, earth-bound national king, a king who favored their nation over all other nations, a king who would violently overthrow the Roman Empire who had used violence against them. This same crowd, who just a few days later turned on Jesus and called for his death when he disappointed these expectations. The religious authorities in Jerusalem, who could not conceive that God would work outside of their jurisdiction in this person named Jesus, who felt threatened by Jesus and by his power, and so they rejected him. They conspired to have him betrayed and arrested in the middle of the night, and they brought him before Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor of the province of Judea, claiming he was a rebel and demanding his death. Political authorities like Pilate, who knew that any rebellion against the Roman Empire in the territory he governed would certainly mean his removal from power and possibly even his execution. And so Pilate unjustly condemned Jesus, a man he believed was innocent, to suffer a brutal and painful death. As our reading from the Gospel of Luke recounts, Jesus was taken to the place called the Skull and crucified between two criminals. And because Jesus did not use his authority as they use their authority, because they see him as a failed sovereign because of their grave misunderstanding of what true and lasting power really is, these political and religious authorities mock Jesus as he suffers. They, along with the Roman soldiers who beat him and nailed him to the cross and stole his clothing and offered him cheap wine in jest, along with one of the two criminals, they all say to Jesus, if you are the king, the Messiah, the chosen one, save yourself. Because they tell Jesus, Using your power for yourself is what kings do. And if Jesus doesn't do this, then he must not be a king. They mock Jesus because they fail to understand that he is not the kind of king they expect. But he is king. The second criminal 
dying on the cross next to Jesus, recognizes this and says to him, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. The second criminal does not mock Jesus using titles like king and messiah and chosen one. Rather, he says his name, Jesus, which means God saves. The second criminal rebukes the first, saying that they are both justly condemned, though we don't know their crimes, and defending the innocence of Jesus. The second criminal trusts that Jesus is a king. And even in this moment of inexplicable suffering, calls on Jesus to remember him in his kingdom. He trusts that Jesus has a kingdom that is greater than the kingdoms of this world, that Jesus Christ will transcend death and bring him along, that Jesus Christ has the power to give him life on the other side of death, life that does not end. He has true and lasting power. He is the king of all creation. And in response to this request of the second criminal, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Today, this day, starting now, you will be with me always in life beyond death, in a place of goodness and beauty and peace, a place where sin and suffering and death will be no more. The kingdom of God. Jesus Christ, the king, did not save himself from his death on the cross. He saved us all through his death on the cross and his glorious resurrection from death to life on the third day, defeating death forever. As Martin Luther puts it in his theology of the cross, suffering and dying on the cross is not where we would expect our God, our Lord, our King to be. But that's where he chose to be. Jesus Christ, the God of all creation in the flesh, emptied himself and joined with us in our humanity, suffered along with us in this broken world, this world in which we human beings of our own free will can do and say things that hurt ourselves and others. He died on the cross, taking our death as his own and freeing us from death forever. And he rose again to life, bringing us with him into life eternal. He is with us always, and one day his kingdom will come, and his kingdom will have no end. This is real power, the power of goodness and love and life, the power for others, the power that helps and heals, the power that saves. As our reading from Colossians 1 affirms, Jesus Christ, the King, is the one in whom the fullness of God dwells. The one who made and loves us forever, who reconciled us to God, who gives us life. He is the one 
who reveals God to us, brings us into the light of God, makes God our creator known. When we want to know who God is and who we are as God's children, when we want to know how God feels about us, when we want to know how to live our lives, we look to Christ our King. He is, as Colossians 1 declares, the one who holds everything together. The head of his body on earth, the church, that's us. He is, as Jeremiah 23 declares, the shepherd who gathers us all together and who sends us out to share his good news. He is, in those wonderful words of Psalm 46, our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. As I was preparing to preach on this Christ the King Sunday, I came across a poem by a Methodist minister named Fred Pratt Green entitled, To Mock Your Reign, O Dearest Lord. It reads, To mock your reign, O dearest Lord, they made a crown of thorns, set you with tots along the road from which no one returns. They did not know, as we do now, that glorious is your crown, that thorns would flower upon your brow, your sorrows heal our own. In mock acclaim, O gracious Lord, they snatched a purple cloak, your passion turned for all they cared, into a soldier's joke. They did not know, as we do now, that though we merit blame, you will your robe of mercy throw around our naked shame. A sceptered reed, O patient Lord, they thrust into your hand and acted out their grim charade to its appointed end. They did not know, as we do now, though empires rise and fall, your kingdom shall not cease to grow till love embraces all. The kings, the rulers, the authorities of this fallen world will tell us that power is power over others, power that demeans and devalues and bullies, power that hurts, power that chooses meanness over kindness, violence and revenge over forgiveness and grace, fear over love, and they will mock you if you say otherwise. Don't believe them. Jesus Christ makes known the true and lasting power is the power of goodness and love and life, power for others, power that helps and heals, power that saves. That's how Jesus Christ lived his life. That's how we are to live our lives as followers of Christ our King. Amen. Thanks for listening. Each week's episode is edited by Nick Cox. Music performed by our St. John's Worship Band. Sermons by me, Pastor Jen Shaw. Make sure to subscribe to hear each week's message. If you'd like to know more about St. John's mission to know Christ and make Christ known, to share the life-giving word and do the life-giving work of Jesus, visit our website, 
stjohnslutheran.church. May God bless you on this day and in all the days ahead.